Because I can control the weather, they call me Storm. Welcome to This Week in Nerd News, your one-stop shop for all of the pop culture you may have missed this week, brought to you by the Black Nerd Problems Broadcasting Network. I am your host, Mikkel Snyder. And I'm your other host, Keith Weekly. Keith, it is somehow June. Did you know this? I knew this only because two people in my life have birthdays on June 1st and June 2nd, which means that I am broke. And by two people, I mean my girlfriend and my mom, respectively. Fair enough. Yeah, you you certainly would want to get them uh, good <laughs> gifts to celebrate the time that the sun went around, the earth went around the sun. Exactly. But we're going back to like pre-Galileo. Look, look, it's been it's been a long like unit of time. Just generically, the cats wake me up at five a.m. every morning, so I'm always just a little bit drowsy every single day until daylight savings times hits and like. When is that October? See, like, I had that experience with dogs. Oh, wait, speaking of cats, and this is digression. Have you seen my Instagram story yet? I don't usually go on Instagram. I'll, I'll do that after we're done recording. Oh, I think you should do it right now for the live reaction. Wait, this one. Oh, it's a kitty. Oh, there we go. Let's let's continue on to our segment that we love to run every single time that I am one of the co-hosts. Keith, are you ready f- to get back to our roots, the Mad Libs of news headlines? Of course, I've missed this. So as usual, I got five questions for you that cover a wide variety of the weird news that has happened over the past seven days or so, and you get to answer them to the best of your abilities. So... Which action star slash politician has a new Netflix series that also produced an action figure commercial in the vein of G.I. Joe and other 80s action franchises? Bonus point if you know the series that this actor is starring in right now. I don't know the series at all, but I can only think of one person that does that, and that would be Arnold Schwarzenegger. There are very few people that hit that Venn diagram of action star and politician. It used to be a much bigger Venn diagram in fairness. Fair, fair. But yes, you are correct. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger has been promoting his new series, FUBAR, on Netflix. Um, FUBAR is a initialism for something we cannot say on the show. Well, we can't say the first word, but the rest is up beyond all recognition. You can fill, fill in the blanks if you want to. Oh, see, it's see, I learned it as uh, beyond any relief. Really? Okay. Yeah. See, that can just mean multiple things. Yeah, it's the same general idea, which is sort of like it's it's not great if, if things are that. <laughs> Two, this Nickelodeon comedy sketch turned movie is getting a sequel as a down on the luck inventor returns to the franchise that kickstarted his career in the first movie. Okay, so Nickelodeon comedy sketch. I'm gonna guess this was either something on all that or the Amanda Show, and probably not the latter. You'll learn all that. And thinking of an inventor, I mean, I'm blanking. Um, you know what? I'm going to go with Good Burger because I know that's getting a sequel. And that is an all-that sketch show. That is, that is in fact correct. This is about the Good Burger 2 movie. Who's an inventor in that? So, I, I looked this up because I was curious about what was happening. So, at the end of the first Good Burger movie, uh, Keenan's character becomes an oh, inventor. Oh, yeah. And, like, makes this big innovation in, like, the fast food industry. So, like, the synopsis of the Good Burger 2 Wikipedia page says it's sort of, like, down on his luck and having, like, out of out of the inventor, he goes back to the Good Burger to, to see his co-worker. Yes. Anyway, let's move on. All right. 
And what do you mean they didn't already have a Hollywood star? This Disney princess, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, companion to the Mandalorian, and ER doctor has celebrated getting her place on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Oh, Ming-Na Wen. That's correct. Nice! Wait, she didn't have one? No, she didn't, right? Right? Okay. Makes no sense. The voice of Mulan, um, Agent May, uh, a character on The Mandalorian who I vaguely know. Um, Melinda. She was more featured in, um, what's the other one to The Mandalorian? Oh, 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 um, the, the Book of Boba Fett? Boba Fett, yeah. yeah. There's a nice little video of her, uh, like, celebrating. It's like, why do you, what do you mean she didn't have a star already? It's wild. Alright, moving, moving on briskly and efficiently, so... So, which series, behind the scenes, featured one co-star telling another to upgrade to a BMW after the workplace comedy hit got picked up for a second season, and I quote, No bleep, you cannot pull up to season two in a Mazda. I've seen this, like, video on my feed and multiple social media because it went, like, mini-viral and stuff. This show is about, this clip, I mean, is about Abbott Elementary. And specifically, it came of a story that was being confirmed by Tyler James Williams talking about his co-star Janelle James because she, and I love this sentiment behind his message and tell the story and everything. He was talking about how now that he's a seasoned actor because he started so young and everything, he had experience in hindsight. He had to pull Janelle to the side after Abby got picked up for a second season. He was like, look, you got to admire the flowers while they're here, but you can't spend the entire time worrying when Bob's going to fall out. Flex, you got the money. Abbott's a good show that's going to be on the air for a little while. Live it up while you can. And I love that sentiment. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that was the entire story. Like, you read an article, like, word for word, almost. I do this for a living, fam. But we have we have one more question to wrap up. Um, are you ready? I'm not going to finish off that strong. I can't. It's only down from here, yeah. Have faith in yourself, <laughs> Keith. Thanks, All right. Which animated sequel opened this weekend to $120.5 million nationwide, making it the third biggest opening ever for an animated film, as well as the best ever for Sony Animation? I don't care if I'm basically feeding you with the answer at this point. I just want to talk about this. Thank you for doing so. And honestly, once you said which animated sequel opened this weekend, I instantly knew the answer. We are talking about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. Which I have not seen yet, but I plan to see either tonight or sometime very, very soon. I might even go after this for all we know. Just just, just go immediately. Like, <laughs> I'll, I'll cover the rest of the episode. All right, I'm starting. Really if you hear good. any typing, I'm looking up showtimes. It's, it's really good. It's really good. But yeah, no, you, you that was a flawless run, Keith. You got all of them. Boom! I got all of them? You got all five, yeah. Whoa, that's a new one for me. And answer for answering the Abbott Elementary one to a journalistic integrity view. Like, like you, yeah. I mean, if we weren't going to throw a wrench in our content plans, I would say I retire from this game now. Oh, I wouldn't let you. <laughs> fair, fair. You get a hundred of these correct and you would still get a hundred more afterwards. <laughs> fair enough. Good to know. So we'll, we'll take a break and then we'll come back to a big ticket item. And we're back. 
as we've talked about in the last couple episodes on this show, there's a whole lot happening in Hollywood, which is the area we kind of tend to focus on because we focus on entertainment, and that's kind of where it lives, this current state, with a couple of exceptions. But the latest news to come out, and Victoria McHale did a wonderful recap a couple episodes ago, if you want to go back, on the strike happening with the Writers Guild of America and the Alliance for Motion Picture and Television Producers, which is basically like for lack of better word, streamers and companies, um, on like come up with a new contract. Well, big news that happened this week is that the DGA, which is the Directors Guild of America, actually went ahead and made a deal with that same organization and agreed on a contract. So as of reports, according to Gizmodo, the new deal will include wage and benefit increases, which includes a 5% increase in the first year after the deal goes through. It's ratified on June 2nd, this Tuesday, then 4% and 3.5% for years two and three. Next up, they're getting a 76% boost in residuals from international streaming, which is something that I'm personally more interested in in this whole deal. And lastly, and most importantly, according to them at least, they'll receive protections against artificial intelligence because a growing fear for a lot of people that work in a variety of spaces, but especially in a content production space, is that jobs will be eventually be taken by artificial intelligence. And one thing they agree with is that at least with these studios, is that we are people that make these things. We're directors. We can't be replaced by an algorithm no matter how advanced it is to meet the person involved. So that's kind of the big news happening there. And we do have some context on how this goes in the grand scheme of things, which I will leave to Mikhail to tee up unless they have some other thoughts they want to share. I mean, you know me. I'm the biggest uh, robot sympathist, but the entire wave of AI uh, content generation that's happened over like the past year has just been dumb. Not, not, not to mince words about it, it's just, it, it, people have missed the entire point that having a robot automate things, it was supposed to automate our taxes. It was supposed to do the boring, mind-numbing calculation stuff, not make art. That, that was our job. The entire point was for us to be able to make art, not have the robots make art. And it's just, it's really, it's still, it's still frustrating seeing that, like, this is a concern that has gotten to, like, a level where it's with, like, people who should know better than, than to do this still need to be told, hey, don't do that, you know? Fully agree on that one. I mean, we can talk about the AI thing for a second first because we're already pretty good on time for this episode. I'll say that it's something that I've gone back and forth on the past year to become more and more of a talking point. As you know, like I'm a journalist, I'm an editor, I work in content and have for a few years now. And as people try and add new cutting edge technologies there are often conversations that i'm having with people even in my own role about like hey let's go ahead and like use this system to get this article just automated instead which i'm not against at all it's just personally a matter of like putting the genie back in the bottle how does that situation work long term right and of course with all technology as we've seen time and time again what ultimately ends up happening if it's handled correctly is that the introduction of new technology is something that you should embrace because it will make your job easier and you'll advance along with it versus if you're so hesitant that you kind of ignore it and all of a sudden it's too late and you're obsolete, right? So we'll just kind of see how that plays out. But like you said, this is not ultimately a bad thing. It's something that we're supposed to use for the things that we don't want to do or to help us do the things we want to do more efficiently. It's just, I feel like it's become the latest like VR thing that's not finally starting to like go to sleep for a while. It's like, it's trendy, you know? This this is this is worse than the than the VR stuff because like the VR stuff like it 
Like, there, there were, like, a series of technological advancements, which is sort of like, oh, hey, we did this cool new thing, and then we invested so much into it, but then realized that, like, we weren't investing in it into the right way, right? Like, that that's how VR mapped out. That's how Google Glass mapped out, which is like, this was a promising concept. We just, we just went a little too hard in the paint. It's like when every uh, journalism company went to video for that one year without <laughs> thinking about the ramifications. Like, yeah. th- that's what happened there. What's happening with AI specifically is sort of like, oh, we can just replace people. And sort of like, no, no, you're not. That's not that's not the point. Like AI is very good at aggregation of information. The problem is, is that people are trying to get it to do three other things that it was never intended to do. Um, and I, I get on the soapbox a lot, but because like it's really frustrating to see a bunch of people who who very much don't respect the time and effort it takes to make something say so like no no me typing a sentence into a into a procedural generator is the same thing as like an artist and the people who don't want this are gatekeeping it's sort of like no the people who want this not to happen are the people who are getting stolen from like it's just it's a gross misuse of technology, not like a wrong investment of it. Like there there are some things that AI will be very good at doing at some point. It's just at this particular juncture, there's people using it for just the stupidest things. There are also a lot of directors out there who are concerned about how it could potentially have been used to maybe slowly edge them out of their own roles, which honestly, I feel like that wasn't going to happen. I feel like that's more so something that we need to worry about when it comes to the Writers Guild, to be totally honest. But the, I'm the, glad they the said the Actors Guild as well. Yes, Actors Guild as well, because they've even been talking about how, like, I mean, we've even seen how they've used AI in the past to bring back actors who have passed away years ago and stuff like that, like, in films. It's not de-aging. That's just, like, making up a person that's no longer around, right? So, like, the technology's yeah. there. Not necessarily you remember one of our earliest Mad Libs with virtual James Dean in a Vietnam War era film? That's exactly what I was thinking of, yes. Every time. every <laughs> that, that article will haunt us for as level long this podcast goes on. A lot of people have noticed that this very echoes what happened during 2007 and 8 strike that forever changed so many of our favorite stories that were coming out of the time, like including Lost and Scrubs and all the other ones that just came out out of order and had truncated seasons and all that stuff. And when I say this is reminiscent of that is because what happened then was that the directors got their deal done first. And they kind of set the precedent with the studios and streamers. And then after that, they took care of the Screen Actors Guild, which also was considering potentially going on strike, if not working on the deal themselves in this coming week. And then also the Writers Guild, which went on strike for a long time back then and is still currently on strike. And we'll see how long that lasts. And you can look at that either from an optimistic or a pessimistic point of view or anywhere in the middle, honestly. And I tend to kind of fall in the sense of, okay, like, y'all wanted to go ahead and take care of the directors because those are the ones that you feel are the most essential to this whole process. Because even when the writers are on strike, studios can technically just use directors and actors who haven't gone on strike yet to make the things that were already written. Not efficiently as well because you need writers on set in order to do these things well but still they try but you can't even attempt to do any of this stuff without having actors or directors who can actually like sit there and make the work in the moment right so that's probably the order of precedence that they're having having here but the reason why i'm slightly more optimistic is that ultimately i feel like this is going to lead to a deal being done and setting that precedent where i hope that the writers guild also get similar things where like higher like benefits and pay increases so they can have a livable wage out there in hollywood and 
don't get replaced by artificial intelligence, especially. And most importantly to me is that they can negotiate a way to get a cut of residuals from global international streaming, because that has been, I think, a major, major play in this whole strike. It's a matter of like, hey, our income has been pretty much like evaporated. If we don't get paid up front enough up front, we're working on a project. We just don't see anything from that coming again. Other people do, but we don't. And we're the ones that help make it. So that's kind of where I stand on this whole thing. Well, it's fascinating that you bring up, I think, which is like the the critical point to all of this is that when the first writer strike happened for our view of this, because I'm sure I'm sure the Finn Albert mentions of this, but like streaming wasn't as big back in like 2007, 2008, like that, that initial wave, like streaming was a thing that existed, but it wasn't the primary way that we consumed a lot of content. It was basically and on demand think- and that was kind of it at that time. And to think about how over like the next two decades ago, streaming has become the only way a lot of us consume uh, media and the fact that like writers and other other associated media folks weren't getting as large a cut on that because it was considered like online something or other. There was a specific jargon sort of like, no, Netflix's multi-million dollar, uh, however much money they make empire doesn't have to pay you. So like, what the hell? Um, <laughs> so I think I think out of all of the fi- the the deal points that the DGA make, I think the international streaming rights and probably the wages as well are the two critical points. I think for just like the quality of life of the of the uh, writers and the potential actors involved here. And I think the the AI thing is just sort of like a yes, let's put into writing that we can't replace people. That was very well said, friend, per usual. We got through a lot today, but there's still more to get through really quickly before we leave you for another week or so. As you may have imagined, I'm talking about nothing more than our patented, non-patented lightning round, where we touch on a couple topics in the headlines we couldn't devote an entire segment to, but feel that our audience should know. First off, as we talked about last episode, Disney's purge of 100-plus shows on Disney Plus and Hulu combined ended up saving the company around $1.5 billion, according to estimations, through a tax write-off, which is what we knew we which is why we knew they would do this in the first place, right? Yeah, yeah, capitalism. Next up, CBR, formerly and colloquially even known as Comic Book, Comic Book Resources, has laid off three senior staff members of his editorial department this past week, including their editor-in-chief, Adam Swiderski, which comes amid a change of quote-unquote culture and performance changes in the company. So just journalism things keep happening. This is I feel like every three months we get one of these stories, unfortunately. And last up, a bit more good news if you're playing this kind of games that I am. Rockstar is launching an update for Grand Theft Auto V Online on June 13th, so very soon, which will include new missions and weapons upgrades, obviously, which are the shiny parts of any new GTA update, but also more convenient quality of life changes, like being able to just hold X or A to sprint instead of tapping it incessantly, and also being able to repair all your vehicles at once through more mutual insurance. It's kind of one of those, like, that, why wasn't that a thing already kind of situation? Wait, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Grand Theft Auto 5 is still getting support. Yeah, actually, I'm, at this point, I'm convinced they're just soft beta testing all the GTA 6 stuff and GTA 5 online. I, I guess that makes sense, but like Grand Theft Auto like, came out on like a, a console ago. <laughs> oh, it did. I remember when it first came out and I got it. I was still in college and I stopped playing it for years and I got back into it playing online with friends like a year ago and it is still thriving, sir, fam. This game is a decade old. Yes, and they keep making money. It came out on the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. That's two, that's three generations of consoles. 
Yes. And they're not even have they haven't even announced the date for GTA 6 yet, which means it's at least a year out probably. Which means they're gonna keep updating GTA 5 online. <laughs> well, that's our show, folks. And if you want to hear more from the Black Nerd Problems News Network, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch, where we have more content coming to you soon. That was this week in Nerd News. Tune in next week for more of our culture news. I'm your host, Keith Reed Cleveland. And I am your host, Michael Snyder. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and have a good one, folks.